This is a Breath of Fresh movie, a weekly podcast where me, Victoria Hartley, and me, Chelsea Pope, we watch a movie neither one of us has ever seen before, and then we talk about it. And we may not talk about everything, but we're going to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. Spoilers ahoy. Mm-hmm. We're sharing a mic. Yeah, we're sharing listeners. a mic today because we have a guest in the it's room. Very, um, it's very intimate. Yeah. Mariana De Silva is back. Yay. I'm so excited. Welcome yeah, it's back. It's really awesome to have you back. It's Thank so you fun so much. because I'm, I'm an avid listener. So it's like I'm watching no, my favorite like podcast the, happen in front yeah, of me. Yeah, this is actually how we always do it. <laughs> it's very close fl- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's two mics, but you always choose the yeah, share. Right. We do the backup singer That's thing. M- That's my mic. Yeah. <laughs> like bunny, big bunny ears are my mic. <laughs> no, we like to get really close to the mic. Um, and, um, you know, it's like kind of like just our peach fuzz sort of just, just, just buzz raises against the, each other, just, yeah. just, just, mm-hmm. um, I can, I can hear it. It's the sound quality. <laughs> that's so where the, yeah, that's, it's warm. <laughs> Dear listeners, uh, she's into it. Yeah. So <laughs> again, Mariana De Silva, who, uh, is founder of Somos Cine. Discuss. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> who uh, are you? No, who am tell I? us now. I've been trying to figure this out for a while, but I think I, um, so yes, El Cine though is the, one of the things I've figured out and it's a, a nonprofit Somos El Cine on Instagram where we do, um, film programs and uh, free film workshops. So it'll be from anything from like film projection to creating a pitch deck or writing a short. And it's all free. Uh, They run at the Los Angeles Public Libraries and Heavy Manners Library, as well as our free film screenings, which are donation based. And they're in this place called the Pico Union Project now. You guys just showed Dracula, right? Yeah, and it was live scored. It was awesome. I'm so So sorry I missed that. It was so cool. Honestly, I was it was I thought this it was a Spanish Dracula which has such right. an interesting story because it was shot at the nighttime set of the Bella Lugosi Dracula because okay. they would let the Spanish speaking crew come in so they would watch the dailies from the American film and then they would uh, essentially like take what did and didn't work That's and yeah and it's like, considered so the better film yeah. yeah they're getting they're getting to refine they're getting to kind of like they, they get to speckle over yeah. the cracks a bit that's, it's exactly that's that. fascinating because I yeah. don't know I mean you know I know I know y- y'all are have that familiarity but like I'm hearing this well, and I'm like I mean, it's just, a, it's, just a, it's such a cool thing that is such a blind spot in, I mean in I've seen it but I I didn't history. know about that I knew, yeah I knew that they shared sets but I had no idea that they were watching the dailies too. yeah like, that's that really cool genius. it's a genius and I think that is why it's regarded as the better film and you know one of the Absolutely. things with Encina is like us kind of we focus on showing primarily Latin films. And uh, the reason why is because Latin films have existed and been in as a big part of our industry for so long. And then I feel like, you know, now we as a community are consistently asking for permission to make films. But I always try to say, like, look at the history we have in right. cinema. It's, you know, there's so many films like The Blair Witch Project, the others that are Latin directors and often just like not spoken of, but we've been um, in the industry and uh, consistently making an impact in it for a long time so you know we show these films um we showed that dracula and it was live scored by this mm-hmm. phenomenal so uh cool. violinist chris woods and our venue right now is a church it's the so first it temple lit, right? yeah and it was all candlelit wow. and totally free like somebody said to me you know the coolest thing is that these ha- these things are happening and it's it could be charged we could charge a lot and we tr- we're our goal is to really keep the film 
and film in general accessible. So oh, yeah. this is like in Pico Union, um, where there's a lot of different communities. Um, and so, you know, people come in and want to pay with quarters. And it's it's like <laughs> we're trying to, you know, get all the like abuelitas and the grandparents and the people who even like the unhoused community that lives around there. Yeah. They come in, they watch a movie, they get to like experience something. And, and all our hipster friends well, who that, also that love cinema. <laughs> is just so, so valorous. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the place serves she's as a good person. Oh, yeah, I, she's like a really good person. And her nails are super nice. She's Thank dear you, dear listeners. She has a great. Um, are they, is it gel? It's gel. I'm not trying to. Do, I'm not trying to pull away because you were on a roll. Wow. But like no, but it, I appreciate it. it. was Victoria who started it, and I had, to, and so I had to pile Thank on. Thank you. Is that Jungle Red? It's 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 actually Big Apple Red is the exact that's name cool. of it. She's uh, a city girl. Yeah, city girl. And city but girl. yeah, I feel like that's the, yeah. the we're showing films there uh, once a month. So Fantastic. if you follow Somos el Cine, it's there. Yeah, yeah do you, follow there them. Specific, you have a handle spelled out. S O M O S. Uh, E-L-C-I-N-E. Amazing. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. You get to move on to the next. <laughs> no, I just, because it's, it's, no, one, it's, it not, it's, yeah, cool. no, it's, for sure. Good we, for you. To, we want people to find you. I'm yes. the kind of ding-dong that would be like, <laughs> it, it means we are the movies in Spanish. That's lovely. So, and so it's cool because El Cine is the movies. So, I mean, yeah. it was really actually kind of like, what should we name this? And the most, you know, basic possible I like uh, it. name. Keep it simple. Yeah, keeping it simple. Well, let me mention just off the top, we are okay. talking about Dr. Caligari. Yes. That's today's mm -hmm. film. It came out in 1920. It's directed by Robert Veen. I think that's how you say it because it's German. Um, and this is a hallucinatory plunge into the mind of a demented doctor and his carnival sleepwalker. And this is like the foundational imagery of every creepy carnival, like every spooky mm -hmm. doo 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 doo. Um, and there's a series of grisly murders that happen in the small community. And that's that's pretty much the story. But um, that's the loosest logline. And is that what it's about? One of the reasons we're talking yeah, about we're this film today. today. I also work with the Actors Gang, which is a also a nonprofit theater company that was uh, founded 41 years ago by um, a couple of like punk rock UCLA students. Um, one of them being Tim Robbins and Brent Hinckley, um, and they uh, actually watch this film that we are about to discuss and it inspired them to make this play that's going on right now called Methuselah or the Eternal Bourgeoisie and um, it's it's a it's a German expressionist play uh, which is yes so we'll talk more about that but I also sure. recommend that if you like this film that you go see this uh, this show yeah, because when's it's it, when's it running so it's yeah, running it's at the Actors Gang which is in Culver City okay, they have a pay what you can night so on Thursdays you could pay a dollar you could pay whatever you want amazing yeah and um, it's running till uh, December 16th okay. and it's wild because I, and I know we'll talk about the film but it's like this, this film is so based on sets and art and all of that and it, this is that live so um, but and has also use of shadows through projections and multimedia which is really that cool awesome. we gotta do that. it's very the theater company is very experimental but it's also very um, we try to have bigger dialects through comedy and through and through set on bigger yeah. conversations on social issues and we'll be screening the film as well with and a live score you're in that um, that building that's in Culver that's like on that weird island 
Park. Yeah. It's like near a Toyota and a Wendy's. It's across, we always say it's across from the In-N-Out in Culver City because everybody always knows where the In-N-Out is, you know? (laughs) But yeah, it's in the park and um, it's, it used to be a train station. It's, it's, it's called the Ivy Station. I actually don't think it was the train station, but it was where they repaired the trains for the train station, which is the Ivy Station down the street. Gotcha, gotcha. Historic. Historic. We're revisiting all the productions that they started the company with. So we did Ubu the King, which was wild and um, really exciting. And then now Methuselah came after. Mm -hmm. And the original cast had like Helen Hunt playing before, you know, people used to come to the actors gang to really like find um, these incredible actors because they really just are wild uh, artists, yeah. you know? And so uh, seeing the photos of the original production and there's actually video of the original production in the current show, it's really incredible um, because all these things keep being so relevant, you know? Yeah. Nothing, it's like the conversation we're having is still the same and I feel like that applies to the film today as well. You know, if you're somebody who's like, I don't love theater, you'll love this. Mm-hmm. And if you love cinema, you'll love this. A lot of us in the company are inspired by film, and that's why now we're going into starting to show films. So we're going to show Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, today's movie. Today's movie. <laughs> um, on November 15th with a live score as well from this band named Cron that does, like, synth music. Cool. Um, and so, and apparently, Cron, they're amazing. <laughs> you can also mash up cabinet of dr caligari today's movie with the soundtrack of the shining and it apparently pairs um, i'm not gonna lie i wanted to talk about the fact that like i feel like this movie would have been even not that like look at me sitting here talking about like one of the seminal classics being like i feel like the music could have been better but then I, was, <laughs> I was actively thinking of like what other yeah what other scoring would 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 yeah. would take it even higher and that's fascinating that yeah that is, I mean, so we're showing that too we're gonna awesome. show so we're gonna do two oh, screenings one with the live score and one with the paired up shining that'd, score that'd so you dope. can that's see really those cool. at the actors gang okay. on I feel like the shining would yeah. fit so well oh like my god perfect that's yeah. the thing when you watch it it's Boom. shocking yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's the because it's the score you're too, looking it's for almost over, it's overly gilded right yeah. the, the you know not, not listen look at me pointing out flaws in the and in again one of the one of the pillars of of early cinema but no just again there's something about like if it was more stripped away i think because i was watching some clip because i wanted to see like a colorized clip of this after i watched this and that person put some very simplistic but somber piano Mm. and it sounded so fucking good and i was like oh what if what else could this I is... will cuss. I just I, I love it. To... Please do. No, she listens. I she listen. Knows. I know. You're so articulate and lovely. I just know. The idea of music though, like silent film it totally lends itself to being rescored. And I yeah. know at some point at Braindead Studios, I think it might have been Questlove. I might be wrong about this, but he did a live score for Haksung, which is like all about witches. And yeah, shit. that's amazing. And I'm like, a, a good score will keep you engaged i do feel more. like a live score experience for me is like the peak of existence i know it's that's so a big cool. thing to say but i feel like we um 
did a live score at the Bob Baker Marionette of Escape to Witch Mountain. That's and so cool. They had the puppets <laughs> also come and do the like oh, puppet part. And I I had not taken any mushrooms or anything <laughs> or well, anything. I swear I was clean, you guys. I think I swear I was sober and I, I was like, I'm peaking right now. <laughs> I feel like my imagination is that it's like fullest and I feel now, like my best. Now imagine had the mushrooms. That's where I'm, oh, I'm hoping for it I, maybe you soon. Have, yeah. You would have exploded. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. For sure. I I mean, no, who knows awesome. if I can handle it, but we'll know. see. Maybe come to, you know, yeah, yeah. Dr. Right. Caligari, we'll and uh, we'll see I, how we'll I do. See. <laughs> head full of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah, I mean, so, I mean, let's talk about the movie. Mm. What mm -hmm. do we think? I guess I, I, I really... What I am, <laughs> I'm getting the We're gonna stare down. What do we think about um, this film? What do we it's think? So you go first, and then we'll go. tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> I think one of the things that I um, really think about this film is one of the things I love about cinema that sometimes to me feels restricted is that I feel like a style comes out of it. Like to me, this was the first time expressionism was come came out of art and out of like theater yeah. really because they they used to use it in theater as backdrops and such mm -hmm. and made into film and so i feel like any time of film i was thinking about this last night actually any time of film puts incorporates like a movement or a style it makes me feel like that's when you know it's like past the trend and now yeah. is it's like his now we're in a thing that it's marked and it's historical that's so true i mean that's like a really nice way of putting it i'm like oh it's over now that it's put in a movie yeah yeah there's a part of it that kind of that kind of feels like it, it becomes mainstream but at the same time i feel like i think as a creative i like to think that lack of because i know that at that time so obviously like that people had lack of resources this was very much made oh yeah in, i mean uh, we're talking about germany post-world war one it's yeah. incredible that anything was being produced i mean when you consider the devastation yeah and i think that that's visible in the art like i feel like to me the film feels uncomfortable like everything is sharp everything is uncomfortable totally. the windows are crooked the thing everything is crooked and it's like i think i imagine that as a person walking through the street after the places you felt comfortable have now been completely dominated and and bombed and all that you are now uncomfortable in your space which i do think is what expression german expressionism is 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 like oh all these places that were supposed to be comfortable are not and i think the only time i've experienced this like in real life was when we had those malibu fires that were right. really really intense a couple of years ago i remember i went down there and the trees looked like something straight out of this movie they were yeah. they were black and they were crisp and like there was it they were looks like something out of like an edward i mean right, you like can tell twisted. edward's hand was very much oh, inspired yeah, no, by Tim this yeah. yeah like uh, loves german expressionism yeah. that's plain but i hear what you're saying about like here it's disturbing you're walking through a nightmare it's like a hellscape yeah it's, uh, distortion it's claustrophobic it's very claustrophobic it's artificial it's unreal it's like yeah it's like a it's a bad dream you can't wake up from you know mm -hmm. that's like it's that kind of yeah yeah. I agree. Yeah. Ooh, yes. <laughs> I was just making space. <laughs> I agree. I think that's yeah. what I, I find fascinating yeah. about it. And I think, too, you know, I, I feel like this movie makes you question yourself and the influence, I think, of the things we consume and the influence of people. And I then thinking about mm -hmm. this movie and then obviously 
what came after for Germany is is really I feel like it's kind of like a warning but then it also with the ending you're like but is it a warning because then it's also saying that well, maybe you're the person who's wrong there's um somebody very very smart who wrote an entire book about this idea that um, German cinema between the wars during the Weimar Republic was sort of prognosticating what was to come there were lots of imagery I mean you see it in M like where there's like a a gloved black hand that slaps down on a map of a city. I mean, it's just like, what is happening? And so, um, yeah, those, those images are, are significant. But um, I think in general, just having that kind of like suspicion of authority feels like imbued in this. Yeah, suspicion of authority, not trusting what what per, what your own perspective of reality is, like what, what you think is true, what, like you said, what's comfortable. It's like what what you think your reality is gets upended mm -hmm. and this this happens uh multiple times over in this oh God, in this yeah. film right it's like a sort of like a nightmare and a nightmare with the, the multiple frames and um it's very claustrophobic too yeah. um it's a very small world and it's it, it creates this it, it it's I feel like I watched this and it's like it, it kind of creeped up on me because admittedly I get a little no I had to hide my phone I had to I just sort of I, <laughs> well, I it's, it's difficult you gotta you gotta let yourself get into and just in general for me I'm a little I'm a little baby about watching older <laughs> movies in general and in this case it also starts in a way that made me want to figure it out and solve the puzzle and get ahead of it and like I feel like you 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 miss the forest for the trees if you're doing that with this movie instead of just letting yourself like mm. just 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 let it creep up on you yeah. you know let it let it upset you a little mm. i don't know yeah don't know. and i feel like one thing that stays with me is also there's when he asks uh you know the, the how when will i die which by yeah. i'm sorry why would you ever ask that question? I know. Why? I thought the That's same a horrible thing. question to ask. And then I, he's an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, you should die the tonight. The big dummy. Yeah. The big ding like, dong. Uh, it makes you honestly think about so much, though, also the idea of, of war. Yeah. You know, of like, uh, yeah. of just, I think, I, I can't imagine the convincing it took of people to go to war obviously mm -hmm. um, and I, a lot of people had absolutely zero choice so that's probably what the convincing was but I think that that question refers to that and I and, and also like the greed the like desire to know is almost looked down upon in that and yeah. I agree yeah. I, I feel like more so uh, I'm like well you can't say that because you'll jinx yourself so there's more like a superstition right. for me but then I think that when um, you see it in the film it's it's almost like even when Dr. Caligari gets there and they're like trying to see if he can come in to the festival or not, part of you is like, oh, like why are they looking down on him? I don't like this about that. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, do I like him? And so there's a weird, I, I love films like this and it actually reminds me of Piggy, which we talked about last time yes, I was here. <laughs> that is Good like, it's, it's true. It's like all these ways, I think good film does this. It like challenges you to be, to ask, of yourself how you feel which is no no you're twisted right. no listen the line between saying something that's like deep and poetic and something that sounds very like dumb is so thin yeah yeah, like, yeah. sometimes the most profound thing that's sung on paper it's like no yeah so no i i think 
I like that this movie, I also was kind of constantly like not sure who I should care about, not sure who I should be rooting for. Mm -hmm. I did think Dr. Caligari reminded me of if you've ever watched Drag Race, it felt like <laughs> it felt like a Ginger Minj character. Oh, I love Ginger Minj. <laughs> yeah, watching this colorized too, getting to see the exaggeration of the makeup, like yeah. just seeing it kind makeup of spray. just. I I I liked see. There's like a six minute clip of it, and it's not like it's not like perfect like Technicolor, but just kind of cool because you get it almost gives it sort of um air of recency to it, mm -hmm. where suddenly you're sort of able to be like, oh, that's. I know someone who could look like I don't know like yeah. I, just, I I that makeup is it just it, it has this tangibility about it mm -hmm. that just kind of added to the texture. Yeah. Not that you need that to enjoy the film, but I liked I I, no, I, I, know. It was, I mean it was the, fun. It was cool to see. Uh, the version I watched talked about how, you know, the the whole first reel had to be reconstructed from a bunch of prints and that like a lot of shots were missing and that the color is really inspired, or at least what I saw was from like a Latin American print. Mm -hmm. Although I always am kind of like, Latin America, Germany, huh? Mm -hmm. okay, I wonder why it's there. Uh, I do feel like that was also the year this was made. I think was the year that Pancho Villa turned himself in and ended the Mexican Revolution. Oh, Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for that, Diane. I mean, I, I feel like it's true, though, when you're yeah. talking about, you know, I yeah. think a lot of times we can connect a lot of things, obviously, going oh, sure. on across. We're, yeah, yeah, of course, things are world. happening. No, it's I, cool to hear that kind of context in a film like this that, you know, just yeah. would totally get overlooked. So no, yeah. come up that came up in my very extensive uh, <laughs> YouTubing uh, research. research. Yeah, I have all these invisible, 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 invisible pieces in front of me. You know what? Honestly, though, I, as somebody who professionally researches, YouTube is often the best place to start. It's a great it's a place. Great I mean, I think, again, um, it's a good diving point. I do want to, um, things I liked were the fact that they told us it was a film in six acts, because I'm like, okay, good. Like, I know how many pieces I like. Actually, I just saw the remake of Suspiria, which also mm. did a similar structure, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I like this. Mm -hmm. I like a little, give me chapters. Oh, I like yeah. that. I like to feel like, okay, now we're halfway. Um, I do too. I don't know. Right? It's Thank a, you. A um, little morsels. Yeah. Kinda, morsels. Like, you yum, get through yum, the yum. book faster when it's broken up into little because I'm like, oh, we're almost there. We're almost done. Yeah, you know, because some of us nowadays we look at like the, the timeline, right? To be like, well, how much longer is this? Mm -hmm. Whereas that is like, I don't need to. I know where I am. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I also I miss when men wore those like shoulder skirts on their coats. Oh, me too. Like that Victorian look that he's rocking. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Where have all Victorians gone? Oh, they're all they're all repressed and dead. Where have all the um, cowboys gone? Where have all the Victorians gone? And like the whole thing about you said about everything being slanted, even the business cards were slanted. Yeah. Um, I also love to see fun. an organ grinder and monkey because I saw so many organ grinders in Mexico City. Yeah. I, is that like state sponsored because they all look like they were wearing the same uniform and it was like a, not that you're the expert I just I would love to be the expert on that but I'm not interesting but I do find it fascinating and um not to bring this into the Methuselah play because it was written at no, the same do it, time do it. there's like a there's an animal revolution that also happens in that place which is really fascinating because when you see this movie and then you watch this thing which was created at the same time right is um 
is very interesting to see their like awareness of animals at that time and like their use for entertainment and capitalism versus then like you know the way we see animals that is like a use of comfort or mm -hmm. support or any of that um and and yeah the thing i don't know in mexico what that is i find it fascinating too because i do feel like there you almost want to believe that all these things are connected like all the clowns at the lights too i'm always like is there a secret association that's like i'm hitting this light right, today totally. uh, yeah, this is my corner my clown pimp said i get this corner that's a great movie oh my god that's clown a great pimp. movie yeah, clown <laughs> it's clown so pimp. good he's got too many clowns oh maybe it's a exploitation film oh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> clown yeah yeah um i also think that dr caligari and and caesar or caesar uh, should be a couple's costume. Mm. Which leads me into a yes. brief little game I would like to... Oh, yes. Best movie-based couple's costume ideas go. Oh, just in general? Well, I've got a couple in mind. Um, oh, no, well, you got it. Well, I'm going to say, I think um, if you did the, like, Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin from Midnight Run, you could be, like, handcuffed together. It could be, and that's like a male male yeah, costume. Be, be, yeah, I, like I mean, that. not that a woman, I mean, a woman could do it too, but you know what I'm saying, that's fun. If, if you like like a good I would hope that I, you would be around to be like I recognize that <laughs> that's, a, that's a niche well, reference and you're killing it, it comes with me coming up to you and going this is great I love that exactly um, and I exactly. also think uh, another sort of great same sex couple would be the um, Madeline and um, oh I've forgotten her name but the uh, death becomes her Those, oh my the, god oh, yes yeah. that's also a great like pol polygamous yeah. one because yeah. if there's three of you yeah. or polyamory i guess yeah yes but i love i mean that's my yeah. favorite probably one of my favorite movies yeah, it's ever it's such it. a good we one enjoyed. it was fun what would yeah. you choose for a couple's costume what would i choose for a couple's costume? just in general I mean, what's a good one i mean i'm thinking about we saw that post recently on oh, twitter man, where I someone said couple's costume idea and it was Javier Bardem from No Country for Old Men, and then the guy that he does the coin toss with. No, oh, great idea. <laughs> and they said if that's you have a baby, the, dress the baby as the coin. Oh, that's brilliant. I think that's really good. Um, I I don't know how anatomically you could pull it off, but I rewatched Mars Attacks, and like if you could pull off Pierce Brosnan's decapitated head with Sarah, with Sarah Jessica Parker's head on a Chihuahua. That'd be a pretty impressive couple's costume. That's brilliant. I mean, somebody could make that, that could, happen. That somebody could definitely make that happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I, I had some in my head this morning, and now it's I'm drawing a blank, but I guess I want to talk about Inez and, uh, from um, Bottle Rocket, oh, because yeah. I feel like they are That's one of one. the yeah. couples from uh, the Wes Anderson uh world that get least represented the, 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 okay, okay so it's Inez and a um and, uh, what's his name I Luke forget Wilson, is it well, I don't know what yeah, the characters yeah it's Luke Wilson yeah, yeah. Sure. so we'd like them so that's simple it's like that's a red a cardigan line. that's fun it should be recognizable but you could it's also a get cut. a drawing that of like the drawing that he makes her and have her wear it or carry it that would be cute that's, that's the same that's a that's you know it could be done by anybody but i also think thelma and louise is a very that's good good one good same one. sex couple one yeah. would be great for yeah. that i'd like to see thelma louise making out please yeah that would <laughs> yeah. be ideal yeah. for me I just, honestly let's go number, hit the streets my number one criticism of that movie when do <laughs> yeah. they make out yes they're practically <laughs> twins their hair's so fluffy but they're kiss, beautiful kiss kiss uh, 
that's thank, the end. Thank that's you for the all, all ending. No, thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. At one point, I mean, we're not a couple exactly here. We're co-hosts. What are you talking about? We're but, so close. But, um, but I mean, we've talked about the Daisies girls before. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. We're gonna. That, we'll do we a gotta, photo shoot. Do, that's that. really cool. We're gonna do that. All right. Thank you for indulging the couples costume segment. This movie is a couples costume for sure. You could go Dr. Caligari and Cesaro. Yep. Or you could do Cesaro and girl. And girl. And girl. <laughs> Did we ever learn her name? She just lived uh, in the castle. It was, it was, the actress's name was Lily. I thought it was started with a J. I thought her name was uh, like like Jane. Or, Jane maybe. Or, I thought it was uh, like I don't know, like almost like Jolene or something. Jolene. I love the name Jolene. 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 Yeah. I'm begging you, don't don't be. Uh, <laughs> don't get don't get kidnapped by Cesar. <laughs> I got there. I got yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. No, Dolly would be there. proud. Um, Thank you. Yeah, the whole thing about when. Yeah, when we did. I liked. Oh, shadow murder. I wrote mm, that down. I did love that shadow too. Murder. Shadow murder. I feel like uh, the twenties and thirties. They did a lot of shadow play. Yeah. Yeah. We, I miss that. I'm into that. I'm trying to mess <laughs> around with that play. right now. <laughs> actually, I'm in my shadow. I'm in right my now, shadow play era. Um, <laughs> but I, I do really love it. I feel like with projection and everything that we can you do now, shadow play should make a comeback because I feel like we still see too much often. That yeah. honestly, not to take it back to the killers of the flower moon but uh, one of the things that i struggled with is like i i give me some mystery here yeah i know who's doing all this like at least hang, hang I, I know that that's the point but if there was some shadow play well, for see, at least is, one or well, two so yeah again it's all about like perspective right? yeah and then this movie is so big on mood and that's why it's like oh there's fragment it feels fragmented because it's like it is just it, it. It's supposed to evoke that unease and the nightmare fuel, you know. And it and it's it's what's real and what's not. And and when things get too spoon fed and too over explained, well, that's a mood killer for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's I had somebody tell me this once, and it's I can't remember who it was. Oh no, I do remember who it was. Their name <laughs> is Brian Finney, and they're a brilliant <laughs> person. Do I need to believe that? Uh, no, he he probably liked to hear it because he's a cinephile. She said he was brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah, so like, I just didn't brilliant. remember like at the moment who it was, but then his face came to me as he said it. But he told me, and again now I forget who the <laughs> director was who told uh-huh. him this that he now passed on to me. That was never underestimate your audience. Yeah. And because exactly. it pisses them off, and I feel like that's yeah. the thing. Like when you don't trust your audience enough to get it, we know it Absolutely. as the audience. I couldn't agree more. No, so it, frequently people get ahead of things. Like I, I, um, I saw this great list of like tenets for a great thriller, and one of them is start with action and explain it later. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Especially, and yeah. especially with this, I feel like at that time, in a time of such fear, yeah. I, I find, I mean, and, and again, I, again, something else I think we talked about last time, but like anytime there's a lot of chaos in the world, horror is like what we result to because in a way it, it makes us feel like it's we're, cathartic. yeah, it's cathartic. It's, it's like, oh, there's a monster bigger than the monster of society I'm currently living in. And I think that this film does a great job of that in the sense of, um, like yes making you question the whole film and never trying to explain to you what is happening yeah Mm -hmm. and i guess that that's also then you think about the higher you know purpose of the film to make you question how you think Mm -hmm. and i think that 
that is it allows for that um it allows for for you to feel that you could be uh brainwashed in a way yeah mm -hmm. because you don't know you're being brainwashed when you're being brainwashed exactly scary oh you're crazy maybe you always have the scramblies oh could be the brain scramblies yeah you have the brain scramblies <laughs> bat <laughs> I, I really do think like my one of the biggest takeaways just watching this is I'm so disappointed. It, it, I I don't want to say like films today, but it, there's so much creativity in this, mm -hmm. and they have we had so many more limitations, and it's like now we don't. I don't want to say we don't have any, but but you know it's like we've got clarity in picture, yeah, and we decided that like oh we don't really like it. <laughs> you know, yeah, like old is new. Like yeah. we yeah. want some grime and some grit. And this movie is, I mean, I'll talk more about it. Apparently it actually like caused some fear among American film technicians and, and people of that nature because um, this movie basically was made without real sets. I mean, it was, everything's painted. So, oh, if we don't have to build these sets, then we're out of a job. So yeah. like, it's so funny how people are threatened by... Uh, innovation or, or resourcefulness and I just someone's I gonna someone's gonna misinterpret what you're saying as being pro AI like wow you're just you're just not you're not uh it's taking away jobs <laughs> you're right it's a threat to people's jobs no but <laughs> I I think that in, I totally get it I hear you and I think actually it, something like this could give more jobs i mean it's why yeah. you know barbie's success is it's what practical. it is it's is because work. it effects. is it's tactile yeah. work it's actually the opposite i think of exactly. ai in a lot exactly. of ways and i and i feel like it's more it's it's what we love about style, very stylized filmmakers. I feel like this movie is a painting, the entire movie. It's actually really, yeah. even like when she walks, there's this moment she walks up to the cat to see Dr. Caligari and her dress is painted, like her mm -hmm. cape is painted mm -hmm. and looks like it's a part of the set. Every time everyone turns around or moves, they're still a part of this painting, like which is into the crazy. Scenery. Yeah. yeah, and I think like true. that's what's fascinating to me. Yeah. I think that's what we love about Wes Anderson yes. is that it's yeah. like very much it's like a toolbox. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it's a play. Yeah. You're watching a play. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that we lose a lot of that for the sake of realism. And yeah. I think realism is cool. But I also think that there's two ways to, there's many ways to make a movie and it's not two. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. you know. No, we, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, what you're saying about the, you come away with like an impression, like when we see her, at some point we see her home or her, her anteroom or parlor and it's, everything is in that wonderful like salmony pink color. I love that And it scene. was a perfect frame and you're right. It really looked. You saw pink? I saw pink in mine. Mm -hmm. Oh shit. I might have had a really gorgeous one. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, you're good. I'm just saying, yeah, no, I was my, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw pink. I saw pink. You saw pink? I'm not colorblind. I also noticed Caesar's thigh gap. Mm-hmm. She's a Why was I so attracted to him? I find that they Conrad V, man. Yeah, he got that eyeliner. It's true. He's like the first grungy dude in the world. He's a goth. He's a goth. Yeah. It's so funny because the YouTube I saw, I don't know if you guys ran into this YouTube, but the guy was like making fun of his haircut and I was very upset by it. I was like, excuse me, sir. This man has everything going for him except that he sleeps all day. Yeah. And maybe murders. He has that boy world Sean hair. Yeah, Sean. Yeah, that Sean Boy world hair he has yeah. a hair he had that he had that um like hugh grant he had, that had a little bit of that too. yeah he had like yeah. a little part in the center part center part with a little flu mm -hmm. yeah a little curtain of hair 
but he like looks your fingers through yes <laughs> but he looks know. like he's like the singer in like the cure as well yeah definitely yeah i just feel like she kind of like or overreacted he clearly it's like you know if he wanted to he would so yeah. he did yes <laughs> and i just feel like why not be grateful yeah i i do think watching him carry her across mm. that landscape that right. shot was insane mm-hmm. like yeah. i mean the what am i what is the depth that i'm actually perceiving here and so often I, yeah it, it is like a painting and i but the things they put in motion were so interesting and it like, was really cool yeah and it, it just the way people were the way they created depth i thought yeah. was just mm-hmm. it was a very unique approach and again i it makes me kind of ashamed at how much I allow things to be like stumbling blocks in the way of, of say creating something mm. you know when this is incredible this is so innovative and expressive and just I don't know people like would fall asleep in silent movies and mm. this was kind of advertised as like well don't worry about that yeah <laughs> yeah and I think too one of the things that's really I mean, I feel like movies that I love are movies that I'm like inspire me to believe in myself that I can make a movie. Mm, yeah, I mean, some movies are probably. epics, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to get mixed yeah. in that. But I feel a movie like this, I think it's only what, like, also an hour and hour fif- seventeen, yeah, like hour fifteen yeah. minutes, hour seventeen. So it's like to, it's it's you. I do think that it's something that Robert Rodriguez has taught us in some movies better than others um of that like limited resources can actually help you discover like what your aesthetic is if you allow yourself to be as creative as you can possibly be with the resources that you have and so i feel like of course you can make a movie for millions of dollars that takes you um, years and years and years to make but you could also you know paint some backdrops sure, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh yeah, you could get be resourceful you could be resourceful and if you shoot it at a certain angle and if you give it if you make it seem intentional more than accidental then that's i think oh. that's a great achievement no we definitely tolerate lots of artifice mm-hmm. i mean we both i mean all of us love pedro almodovar's films yes. and and there are i mean there are scenes in women on the verge of a nervous breakdown where she's watering stuff on her roof and it's like that is so clearly just an I indoor set yeah. we don't care we don't care yeah it i love no i care i care a I lot i care a lot and yeah. i love it yeah well because you know to me that element of it reminds me of soap operas that is exactly and that's the thing the i love about it i think I like it. and and i think that that's what a good filmmaker does well is that they honor what is there you yeah. know and and they they i because i grew up that's how i started to got into acting was in soap operas so when mm-hmm. i watch Almodovar stuff i'm like this to me feels like it, this is like the world i kind of grew yeah. up in you know it wasn't i wish it was as bright like that and not right, as right. dull and like look like just a studio mm-hmm. but like sure. i i love it's why i love going to ikea because i'm always <laughs> just like i can play that this yeah. is like my house but yeah. it's not my actual house and then i get to go home and i don't know it's you like a the, giant dollhouse you know yeah i love it yeah this film i also think this is the first film that did a uh like not a direct narrative but like a jumping of what is that a frame frame and a frame it's a frame story yeah like a frame story which i gotta say there is some debate about the writing of that um some people have said 
there's a lot of debate about everything about this movie, mm-hmm. which I think is, is such a testament to like how important it is, <laughs> because everybody is suddenly like inflating their sense of like, well, I really contributed, you know, yeah. he didn't really do anything. Um, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, the way that people are, are sort of like claiming some sort of clout. Uh, yeah, yeah, clout, clout chasing. Yeah. over the over this this uh, this this doubloon of film. Yeah, I, I mean, part of it's because the the two authors who wrote it. Hans Janowitz and Karl Mayer. Uh, Janowitz actually served, he, he served in the military and probably didn't have a great time because he came out distrustful of all that. Uh, Karl Mayer actually faked mental illness to avoid service in the military. Good for him. That makes perfect sense. I, but, you know, then it meant he had to go to fucking mental hospitals and he developed a total aversion to the white coat authority. So here we have two very disillusioned Germans. Who That's have, like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. He's yeah. like, I don't want to go to jail go to the institution oh it happens in seven beauties yeah like it happens it's a it's a thing and what it's a dingling i mean sometimes it's often worse to at least depending on the time oh for sure uh, time period but um well this one didn't look too great but you know that's <laughs> those are the brains that yeah it didn't those are the brains that have concocted this and it wasn't necessarily a conscious choice to dramatize the authoritative power of like an inhuman state but certainly that's all i think we can see now right. Uh, and it does feel very like um, prognostication-y, if that's a word. Um, I don't know. Uh, I put I just put a Y on it. Um, it. It's later. It's in later years that I think they both kind of responded to that and were like, oh well, yeah, yeah, we meant to do that. You know, <laughs> I think that happens. So it's so it's interesting. Fine. And I do think that now I'm learning that I feel that you can write something in a script. I'm realizing this more and more. Obviously, and you cannot put what you're obviously experiencing through there. And you could be writing about something that you think is totally just like its own story, but it's still so present. And so no matter what, you can um, see that. And and it's and I think, yeah, reading a lot of the work that was coming out of Germany at that time, there is so much of that. There is so a lot, like in Methuselah, there's a talk about a murder and everybody's like having a great time just wanting to indulge, which you actually mentioned in the last episode about like the overindulgence and like, um, you know, way we we view true crime. And and I think a lot of that was happening at that time as well. And I think it's because you when you're living with death so consistently in your face it's like let's just talk about it in a way that it 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 just is the norm and and it it happens a lot in a lot of the things that I've been researching of that time because it's it's but then you also it's interesting because it feels like a result of the war but then also like a a premonition of what's about to happen and this movie feels like that to me absolutely i think what it's also expressing too like i think you touched on a great point about how this is sort of um uh it's a story about someone who again this is you know depending on what your take is i guess of of what uh the ending means and mm-hmm. what's valid and what's real think twice before you gauge before you engage in in um you know casual uh casual just you know like going to a carnival and looking at the freaks and it's like well maybe you're the freak Mm -hmm. what if you were the freak the whole time let me tell you the story about this messed up carnival these messed up people that just wouldn't (laughs) leave us alone yeah wait a minute were we the freaks the whole time and it's kind of that sort of uh what what's what's real and what's not and what makes what makes your perception of reality uh uh 
uh, better yeah. than another, more, or more, more or more valid, yeah. more correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Spot yeah. on. Well, <laughs> yes, very good. Yeah. No, aces, I mean, aces. And, and I mean, I'm thinking about that was around the time the modernist literature movement was really exploding as yeah. well. It's like the time of Hemingway and 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 uh, Fitzgerald and the inner landscape and the idea that like your perception is your reality. But mm-hmm. but now we're kind of in that strange place now where we've like blown out the idea of subjectivity so much. It's like, well, no, there are some objective truths. Let's like get back, you know, like yeah. in some respects, postmodernism has been so much about the subjective. And it's just interesting to see a document from another time that was going through a radical change in terms of, um, you know, just technological revolution, yeah. political change. I mean, we're we're living through a similar period. So I, I, I definitely find, I think German cinema from this period is, it, it fills me with a kind of uh, dread because, yeah, as you said, it's this really unique combination of post-war and pre-war, mm-hmm. which, like, where where else in the world do we get, like, a rich film movement in a, in a condition like that? Yeah. There, there may be others that I'm completely unaware of, but yeah. I'm ignorant of a lot of things. So No, but I think it's the truth is, is, like, also that there's, you know, I think people think war is like something that one day just starts it's obviously right. not mm-hmm. and it's a long it's a long thing and i think this movie kind of does uh uh is is and, and the art created from that time is kind of a ca- is a, a cautionary tale on that that these people right after world war one were already f- foreseeing the brutality that mm-hmm. was going to come but also i think the symbolism of him being 23 so mm-hmm. so cesar is 23 and he's mm-hmm. been sleeping for 23 years yeah. that's what they say and i think that for me that i didn't even become a full adult till maybe very recently but like <laughs> 25 I was still very much yeah. being swayed by what people were telling me and I sure. think that you for so long as a young person you're going first you know I'm in a, let's say in America for example you're going to what your parents rules till you're 18 mm-hmm. and then after that yeah. you go into like scholastic probably mm-hmm. uh like authority mm-hmm. and yeah. then if you're joining the army then you're going into like that kind of authority or whatever other places you might be joining and so I think the idea of sleep of him being asleep yeah. to me is very much like this there's so many of us that are asleep at right. the wheel of like what is happening in the world and i think that that character is so representative of that that like then when he wakes up it's like all of a sudden he has all the answers and i think that that also is like a symbolism for like you know as, honestly like social media and the world yeah. we live in now that everybody's like oh now i'm aware of all this mm-hmm. so now i'm like hyper aware to call you out on the things that i think and it's like but that's not it either actually mm-hmm. you know i think it's like all of us feel that way we all wake up and we're like let me tell you about the thing i think but i feel like it's more so uh, exactly like really realizing and being aware of like what you're engaging in you know i like don't partake tiktok but i do watch it i don't post i would never post it but i am like a a voyeur is that Mm -hmm. what it is like i'm it's very secret don't look for me um (laughs) but i like watch random videos on how to do things and there was a day i was like one time it was like how to flip a pasta strainer turns out you're supposed to put the pasta strainer in the pot and then flip it over so it holds the pasta down show me the life (laughs) so when i found that i was like okay and then it started going into other life hacks and then it started going into like things that i was like wait a minute is this allowed here like are we just free willy and i think that that's the exact same thing as what you're talking about like going into the carnival tent 
and being like, oh, what's this thing? Very casually, but then all of a sudden you're like in a cult. Yeah, and you gotta totally call your parents. My, my curiosity, my curiosity is an entitlement. But then, oh, now I will be. I, yeah. I'm going to face uh, consequences for that. You know, yeah. it's like it's sort of almost like it's like a predecessor to something. I don't know. It's like obvious thing is something like uh, uh, the ring. You watch the video. You can't unsee right. the thing. Yeah, you can't unsee. Cesar and and, and the his doc, thigh and, gap. And, yeah, and, and, and that delicious thigh gap. Yeah, he seems very tall. It's about enough room for about a nine-inch head, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, a straight-up daddy. When he wakes up, it's like, okay. Yeah, I, I yeah. really, lo- I just, I love what you were saying, though, about they, they bothered to say 23 years. Yes. And it's like, right, that's that's not insignificant. Yeah. Right. And I th- I like what you're saying about, yeah, like, when, man. Well, yeah, when do you, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the no, graduate. Yeah. He's like, yeah. what, 20, 21. It's like, when, when do you finally stop being the sort of, um, I don't know, you know, I had parents who didn't act as if they owned their children, but some people do. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when, when are you out from under the influence? And some people, I think, continue to carry the influence like well past needing to. Yeah. Right. And some people die with that. I don't know. I, I there's something really interesting about that. I, the production design, though, we definitely have to talk about. So uh, Herman Varm, I love German names, um, he was the one who was handed the script and kind of like re- read it and was like, this should be done in a very graphic style, mm. um, fantastic style. And then he brings in Walter Riemann and Walter Rorig, who were um, part of Der Sturm, which is this really very important art and literary magazine in Berlin at the time. So this is cultural elites coming together mm-hmm. and they they read over the script and they managed to sort of pitch this expressionist style once they did a test the producers were like yeah sure it's it's this cheap like go ahead do whatever you want like we don't care so they really got to i don't know just um go hog wild on this um and so that's why we get to have such a exciting expressionist style and the the forms as i mentioned are actually painted shadows are painted directly onto sets and costumes i mean i'm thinking about that scene in the the mental hospital where all the light there was yeah. like those pillars this is such a rich truffle of a film because it's like it is it is very concise you know it's only an hour 17 and there's just so much to unpack about it i love things mm-hmm. that are like dense and rich in that way yeah me too that's really like that it's we had rich. talked about um women on the verge because i feel that way there's something about it that has this like dense decadence to to it not just in like the artifice of the set is camp but like it's just the more that you sort of unpack and get to find those parallels of how it's thematically relevant and it's just like there there's um there's an intentionality i feel like it's really great that that barbie was brought up mm-hmm. because i think it's it, in that very same Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Barbie. Yes. Same movie? Yeah, yeah, kind of. What's real? Yeah. The Barbie of... There is a lot of similarities, like the weird Barbie. One could take it to task. Yeah. You absolutely could. Weird Barbie. You know, she's kind of like a Cesar. You kind of got to go up into the thing. She's got to go on this weird little, like, trek to get to weird Barbie. Yeah. And it's distorted, Mm -hmm. and there's all these angles. Wow, Greta yeah. Gerwig. She's she's watched she, it. She's there. Well, just everybody, everybody involved. 
I, just, yeah. I think it's time to make the the video Let's go. the video essay on YouTube. So we need to make a, a Barbie. We need to make a channel. Uh, uh, Barbie is as a as a direct homage to Dr. Caligari. Uh, <gasps> we'll get TikTok. I think that's amazing. I think that's that's it. We found how we engage. Come back. We anytime. found our way in. <laughs> I would anytime, love to. Girl. I'm here to contribute. Yes, girl. Because I would love this. Because it is true, and I think that that's the interesting thing about. Uh, about filmmaking is I feel like I think that there was I mean I don't think any creative expression is a mistake that would be a weird thing to say but I do think sometimes. that maybe yes yeah, <laughs> there is a cheapening of film I think that happened where I feel like people thought that the grandiose of like building a set doing costumes going to a making studio films for example like I feel like it became about glamour, but I almost think that what it once was and what people like Greta are doing and bringing back, it's more so about like communal filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Because to me, it's like when you tell like the stories about these people, it's and the people coming together to make a film, I feel like that is so fascinating to me because I do think, like for me, my number one thing I love is community. And so filmmaking, theater, all these things are like community-based art. I think that when I usually don't love a film is like a film has been done fully by one person and they're doing every job in it. And sometimes that works. Obviously some people do it and they do it well, but yeah. oftentimes I feel like, you know, if you have people who have different perspectives on a set, even though we're in a it, it like makes your film broader it's yeah cool. yeah and it's this like like the, the care of it being this mm -hmm. this shared passion you okay. know versus like a lot no no i think you I'm when just, you do that I'm it makes it makes me want to clarify because like, yeah cause i am i'm like sitting back but like it's all the difference between a lot of films that like we are like collectively uh, it's fair to say we are fatigued by just constant blue and green screen, mm -hmm. and then like whoosh, whoosh, get that get that CGI done, and yeah. you're not, we're not gonna we're not gonna pay you fair wages. You get it done now, get it done now. Sure. You know, yeah. you could be replaced by AI any minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not passion, <laughs> like you know. Versus the you know again talking about Barbie, but also in the case of this film with everything being you know it's made by hand and it's and it's and it's. Um, everybody, everybody's so clearly on the same page about what they're trying to put together, and that's you know that's also the great thing about when you see like a really great play, yeah, that cohesion, mm -hmm. and that's I mean it's the set feels that way. Um, it is because it is it is done with intention, yeah. you know, um, it's done with every. It, it, Everybody, everybody wants the same thing. Well, and it feels like a worthwhile pursuit where yeah. I feel like it becomes, when you do it like that, it's about process, not product. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like the thing about the films that we're talking about, like the green screens and all of that, it's kind of like, let's just shoot it as fast as we can so we can get it up, so we can get it out, so we can have it consumed, so we so can we have can it made, it. so we can sell yeah. it and make money. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing. I feel like to, I think people are afraid to invest that kind of time that it must take to yeah. mm -hmm. do something like this, yeah. which is like building all the sets by hand, doing all the things. Be bottom line, you know, yeah. Because once you're dealing with this, the execs and the and the bigwigs, and yep. it's a bit of money making thing, and it's it's a. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, I mean that's that's the yeah. sad truth about we lose, like we lose film the artisanship. Mm -hmm. I mean, right yeah. now, film and television is simply a division of a much larger conglomerate with other interests. You know, yeah. it's like they don't these aren't the people who make these decisions aren't creative people and 
when you do get creative people in a position of being a decision maker, it's like suddenly you start seeing really fun shit, yeah. like bottoms. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, and I think too, I, I find, I think that there was something, this is what I was going to say, I think about the writers, and I don't know if this is jumping in, and if I am, just stop me, but I feel like I know that they wrote it originally with the ending that it was, yeah. it was like supposed to end on him just telling the story, but then they were like an, an authority being bad and the whole thing about, yeah. you know, Caligari brainwashing Cesar but then it was like no but what if you're the person who's brainwashed and then that was like added in afterwards right how flat the ending would be if 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 that were to be the case yeah yeah um I think because what again like my like the one of the best shots oh we we didn't do the whole thing where it's like we may not talk about anything about obviously those fucking spoilers um (laughs) but just I think one of I mean one of the best shots in this whole thing is just that final lingering on what's going on with Dr. Caligari? The lingering of like, oh, well, I think I know what's wrong with him. I think I know how we can finally, you know, help him, whatever. And then it just lingers on him and you're like, yeah, it gives that, that, it just, it has that sense of unease and it's, it's, it's that type of, exactly. It's that Mm -hmm. button of recontextualizing it. Like it's sort of a, like a fucked up, uh, reverse Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, I really dig. I, I mean, that's that's really what elevates this and and makes it it makes the story of it stay with you beyond just it being a, a, a fascinating feat of of um, practical set work and all yeah, that. You yeah, know, it's, it's spot on, dude. No, I, I mean, do think that that's the thing too. Is like this movie can be spoiled and you still should watch it because oh, yeah. it's like it's not, a visual masterpiece. Yeah. you know, and, and, and I mean, you've seen we've all seen this movie a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's yes, like we, we have. This has been done and redone. Every trope, at the, Nightmare the Alley. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's and that's like you know that's mm-hmm. he, I'm I have no doubt it's like a direct homage. Just like it's. Every every instance and trope you can think of, it's we're thinking of there's 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 Elephant there's, there's Dracula, yeah. Elephant Man. Dracula King Kong, is so um, much like this film. It's very absolutely. interesting because the it was out of like a coffin. yeah oh, yeah yeah the capturing of a like a the it I was very watching Dracula. yeah it yeah. is very Dracula. I mean, multiple YouTubers already said this, so I'm regurgitating somebody <laughs> okay. else's analysis oh. here, saying the whole the the whole monster falling in love with the beast yeah. thing. Yeah. It echoes and echoes. Even Shutter Island is like yeah. is mm-hmm. so this, right? You know? No, yeah. that's such a great. That's the most recent, yeah. like incredibly, like if you've if Definitely. you've seen eighty percent of, I mean, if you've seen you've seen fucking Alice in Wonderland, yeah. you've seen this in a way, yeah, in for a way. sure, for sure. Um, I'm I'm just always like into anything referencing a circus. Like Fellini does it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, there's also the Chaplin who film, the, the real, circus, the real yeah. freaks. Well, you freaks. remember like the jerk? There's that great sequence yeah. in that movie where he goes and and there's that awesome woman who rides the motorcycle and like I don't know. There's just something about like the uh, again what you were saying community, this collective idea. It's like traveling show. It, I mean, Bergman has references to it. Yeah. it it's just. It's like this eternal thing that, that it's it's part of why I like this isn't a silly profession. It has existed forever. People need a little laugh. They need a little entertainment. They want to hear a story. I yeah. gotta make a shout out to Big Fish now. Yeah. We're talking about we're talking about Caligari. We got Tim Burton, the direct reference, and yeah. like what is what is such an excellent subversion and wholesome reframing of an mm. often sort of. Um, mm 
at times like you know vilified or treated as horror distorted uh, disturbing disgusting thing right, and it is nice and actually that's something i'm not gonna lie i i remember reading the book i'm not a hundred percent that the i feel like the carnival thing is a thing that tim burton added because it's his it was mm-hmm. he wanted yeah. he wanted that flair he wanted he wanted that he wanted that you know he wanted the visuals, but that is one of the things that elevates it because it is a it is a story that is humanizing the the fantastical, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. Like it's 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 it doesn't have to be real to be more true. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, and I think because we do experience things. Man, I gotta watch Big Fish again. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I need a box of tissues. Though. Yeah, like no. every just time. gonna get a huge headache at the end of that. I do feel too that the <laughs> the thing. God damn you, Tim Burton. Well, yeah, <laughs> and shout out to Tim Burton because I do feel like he was like that thigh gap on Cesar is hot. Oh yeah. Here's Edward Scissor. I yeah. I raise you Edward Scissor hand. Oh yeah. You're so who's right. Also, like very much the same character, yeah. and now he's a heartthrob. And, and all of the and all of the angles. Yeah. And then you have the him hit the monster falling in love with, yeah. the, 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 with the ingenue exactly and, and then and then again one of the things that is so as frustrated as i get with like certain things that i really don't like that he that tim burton makes mm-hmm. when he like when he he sticks the land i mean you know he really okay. soars with it yeah. as far as again part of what makes edward scissorhands so fucking great is it being the subversion where she loves back yeah and she finds that compassion and connection which yeah. um yeah. and peter jackson like try, was kind of trying to do it, that with king kong and it mm. like was like you know with the remake one and like yeah but it isn't like didn't totally you know like congeal but then it's like again shape with water. uh shape of water with yeah the, yeah Guillermo, I mean, which just is the, from the woman again. loving back which i think again yeah, yeah that's you know not I, my favorite not it, either honestly it doesn't <laughs> I, I loved the I think it was like I was so hyped on the idea of it mm-hmm. and there were so many things too like I'm just a sucker for Richard Jenkins so like yeah, anything he's in like he is fair. there's this pager- paternal paternal <laughs> paternal projection I have especially since like six feet under like just that I, I, I really am Richard, very endeared to anything Richard Jenkins in. well and I do feel like in the shape of water yeah, it's like a better looking monster than all the oh, other. Oh yeah, they mo- make, like, I mean, his they make body's him pretty, cute. He's a pretty, he's like, I, okay, <laughs> but I also like. I remember in the theater when she's trying to describe basically how his like privates open like a vagina, and yeah. I was just like, okay, this is fucking. I, I will I say know, my biggest thing dude. with Guillermo so del Toro shit. is like, and I, you know, I'm always like, I want to tell him this one day, but I won't. And here it is on <laughs> because I love him too much. I respect him as an artist so much. And yeah. I think he's so brilliant, but I do sometimes feel like as a person from his community that he like kind of came to America and started making films here and was like, where are all the white actors I can put in my movie and you like know? not really get like The Shape of Water would have been a perfect movie. Her name is, I think, Hernandez in the end of it. And it's which played is, by Sally. Wild. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you know, I, li- I like I like that actress, but Me also too. you're bringing up a great point about yeah. like well, Nightmare I, Alley, like these stories, these stories so well serve that. So, you know, not to I guess I don't want to. I don't want to. Again, I I like Guillermo del Toro quite a yeah. bit. He's got a yeah. bit. You can tell he's just got a very good heart and yeah. all that stuff. His intentions like, the right place. Five like, favorite. Kind of like with Scorsese. Again, we're talking about Killers. Good intentions. Good yeah. heart. Good craftsmanship. 
I think Jordan Peele is somebody who's able to thread that needle of the better. significance of yeah. the cultural history yes. and why it's so relevant and, and directly thematically ties into mm-hmm. the the horror things that he plays with in all of the films that he's made. Yeah. Such a good and point. like yeah, just like what to to I to think what you you're could saying, do it like. too. Like I for me yeah. too, you know, Kronos and everything he does, he's a teacher to me in every way. Like yeah. I, I think he's incredible and honestly it's part of why I like I am an I am an apologist in a lot of ways because I also think he's a Latin person so like he's the representation but there is a part of me that is like hey if your door's opening like I understand I can imagine that I would be super excited about working with all these people you've probably admired for a long time but like open the door for somebody else because you now are a big enough name that you can find a person Mm -hmm. who would be a great person for that role and then you can cast all the other people that the celebrities and the Oscar it's, winners it, that are there with, with that to great sub- power, yeah, to sending the elevator support to back them down. exactly, and then you've opened the door to somebody in your community from Latin America. I mean, not a Latin America, no, because I want to say also like American Latinos are the number one yeah. people who are not being cast because also people go yes. off to Mexico and South America and see who's popular there and then bring them here and then they're like inclusion that's so frustrating, I'm like I that's imagine. not inclusion we're talking about people in America that's who are terrific. looking for opportunity <laughs> yeah. and who like actually need the door open for them and and who these directors can do so well which Alfonso Cuaron did with Yelitsa yeah. like that was yeah. a, it's like he does not need a name actor because because he is the name, yeah. and so like, Alfonso Cuarón, he, he, you know, he, he, he's he's the goat, dude. Yeah, I mean, the, and the three of them are like in your too oh, yeah, is just brilliant, sure, you know. Sure. Like oh, we yeah, always say, they're yeah. the three like our directors, and I think like for me, the thing with Guillermo del Toro, if he can just get on board with like, I don't think it's I don't, and I don't blame him because I agree, I agree with mm-hmm. you. I think it's like so much intention mm-hmm. that he's doing such a good thing, and he's brilliant, and I love him. And I'll defend him to the end, but there is a moment that I'm like, ooh, like I was sitting there in the shape of water being like, well, why yeah. is the only Latin actor you have here like screaming at her in the line and like being made to be this like loud, like yeah. stereotype I think when he, you yeah. could have like cast literally an ingenue to be Latin and you named her that name. Don't name her that name then. And it doesn't even have to be like a thing. And that can be kind of the point that, that is the point, right? serves. Yeah. And, and I feel like, and this is something too that you can also make these arguments. Um, I feel like this this definitely Venn diagram overlaps with Tim Burton and Wes Anderson in a way where I think that we look at. Um, they, I think they're very caught up in a certain aesthetic and style mm-hmm. and a particular flavor that that can fall by the wayside. Yeah. And that's not to say that I think that that I think I don't know uh, with with Guillermo del Toro specifically, but I know with Tim Burton. With both Tim Burton and Wes Anderson, they have definitely been taken to task about the yeah. diversity issue, not just for the sake of it, but also it um, it hinders your story. Yeah. You know, at a certain point, yeah. it's, um, you're, again, we're missing the forest for the tree. I just really like saying missing the forest for the tree. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, and I think, too, it's just like a, you know, and I think about... It's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like people nowadays, and this goes back to Caligari, is like, they get so, so caught up in, like, these... Yeah. It's like the idea of selling movies, I guess, is really... <laughs> 
I mean, it's really the, the downfall, too. right? It's like, how are we going to sell this movie? We need these capitalism. names. It's always capitalism. The bottom line is a huge yeah. thing too. So at the same time, we, we you know we can the the director can be the flogging boy for certain things, but there there also mm. is an aspect of yeah. like, well, they're working with a certain casting director who who specifically has this this like menagerie of people they like to work with mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's also you know there's like yeah. this sort of trickle down effect or whatever and yeah like, uh, uh yeah that's you know why i feel like during these sh- strikes that we've been going through with the writers and the actors it's like this is why i feel like you know this whole time in the strike we've had really great audiences in theater mm-hmm. and i think people yeah. are going back to that because theater doesn't limit you to what is gonna sell Mm-hmm. theater is like this is the art form and I feel yeah. like this is what this no, movie is I'm so grateful that you like tied it back to theater because yeah. you know one of the things we talked about Carmen Jones Otto Preminger he came out of the theater mm-hmm. in in Vienna and the big takeaway for him was like the most important thing is the script mm-hmm. yeah. not the director none of the parts like the most important thing is the story the script yeah. and that is so lost like here even though nothing happens people without still, a script people like, yeah. still debate that it's yeah. so... they still debate whether <laughs> is it like a good script good director good performances and that it's still there's yeah. still quite a divide in opinion on that when mm-hmm. when i think it is course, very clearly about yeah. having a good story i yeah. mean that's what we what we want i mean right. you know one of the things about caligari yeah. that i liked was i was like you know i I don't exactly know where this is going. Right. Like, I, I'm like, every time I think I kind of know, it kind of shifts a bit. Like, I, when the first murder happened, like, oh, it's the friend. The yeah. friend did it to his own friend. Clear, yeah. Clearly, because they both love the same girl and all that. And then it was like, oh, that isn't what happened. And, no. But yeah. maybe it did. Yeah. You know? Like, and I think we're also... What this book right. presupposes is Truly. maybe he didn't. <laughs> and I think, like, we are so overstimulated with information <laughs> yeah. all the time that, like, if I'm ahead of a script, I don't like it. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't... I mean, I think it's, like, it doesn't it's so satisfy it's me. So hard. I think when you're writing from truth, you're writing with feeling. And so, therefore, that feeling, it, it translates into the viewer. I think that the difference of that is when your feelings aren't invested, but you know where it's going. That's when you're like, oh god! Like yeah. now, I feel like I'm just like, what? Am, what did I pay for? Um, <laughs> because you know, like I know where this is, but I feel like obviously, I think the most move, the best movies are the movies that resonate with us both. All mm-hmm. most, I think people, uh, the most is like the films that we understand because we've experienced. You know, I came from a, a, a teacher, an acting teacher, who used to say to me, like, the more people know about you, the less they'll believe you. Mm. And I feel like that was always such an interesting thing for me because I feel like we live in a world of, like, such desire for celebrity. And then oftentimes we're watching movies with celebrities on them. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of like, oh, do I believe this person anymore am i just here watching this this you know jennifer aniston do the thing it's why i actually am like a huge adam sandler stan (laughs) because i think he is like one of the best actors of our time i my i said this to my dad the other day and he like was like not understanding and i was like (laughs) have you seen you know like uncut gems obviously like have you seen punch junk love i feel like he to me i still lose him and he's still like an era of time for me so it's like that to me sometimes i find very interesting actors that can do that but i do think that there's something about like i was saying to people you know because i'm in sag 
um, there shouldn't only be a rule of inclusion as far as like gender and race and all that, but just like a rule of how many people are you giving you the there are you opening the door for yeah. in your film? Mm-hmm. How many new people? And I know that that's scary when you got a lot of money to do opportunity, but I think that that's what we talked, what you guys talked about with Killers of the Flower Moon is like, if you really want to have some sort of reflection of a time in your film then you get people who understand that time that's why i think like caligari is so fascinating because you can tell there's multiple perspectives happening although they're all living in this time mm-hmm. together they're experiencing yeah. the world after world war one mm-hmm. they're experiencing all of these things to collectively but you can see that there's like you said, people who are questioning authority and then also questioning themselves, which is actually kind of satisfying because anytime I'm wondering if I'm going crazy, I'm like, oh, if I'm asking myself, <laughs> then I think I'm okay. You might be all right. Yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. You, if you're crazy, you wouldn't actually be able to know it or identify it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing, right? Yeah. No, and I think you're right that this is part of the tradition of, of horror movies helping us digest things and um, you know, it's interesting though because this was such an export. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned, there was there was literally a riot in Los Angeles at Miller's Theater, which used to be downtown, and um, it was mostly started by, as I mentioned, a lot of like, you know, uh, carpenters and technicians who got a bunch of people riled up. And what they said to everyone was like, "There's German propaganda." Mm-hmm. And so they got a bunch of people all hot and bothered because, again, anti-German sentiments still kind of high. We're just now starting to receive German things again, including this film. Now, of course, there's no truth to it, but they got a lot of people upset. And it like the theater, there was just a description in one of these articles I saw of like the, the theater workers just like quietly ensconced inside while like people yeah. are just like. Yeah. <laughs> so they ended up pulling the film that day. Um, but again, it was it was more about um, yeah, it was more about labor than anything else. And I just wow. I'm like it caused a riot, but not for the reasons that you would think, you know. And and also the fact that they expressly just sort of lied to people. Like it wouldn't have been nearly as successful if they hadn't gotten people riled up with the oh they're doing this, you know. Yeah. We no one ever does that now. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I do have, uh, I'll, I'll just share a few more details yeah. here and just say that this was shot entirely indoors within a studio at Lixie Film Studios in Berlin. And when the production designers got a hold of the script, once they decided on this style and on this uh, procedure, a lot of elements had to actually be cut. So there was a whole procession of gypsies, a horse cab chase scene, lots of carriages, um, carnival barkers, barrel organs, menageries. So they lost a lot of like really exciting sounding shit, but because they understood like this is the film we're making and this won't work. Here, so we're not going to even try. Um, I just think that's, you know, the cutting room floor. Um, And it was marketed both as an art film and a horror film. And uh, as I mentioned, it was it was released when people still weren't sure about about Germany. Um, In the USA, uh, Goldwyn distributed uh, was the distributor distributor. I speak English. Um, And they actually added a live prologue and epilogue. That's so there's cool. so there's a frame story, but then there's also like which apparently this was kind of common because again people were still like going to the theater pretty commonly. So sometimes they would add like this little mini play before and after. Wow. Um, it wasn't just Caligari apparently, but um, it some people felt that would like redirect the, the message experience. a bit. You know, like yeah. So uh, it's like there's a debate happening right now about 
um, they've been putting intermissions in Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon, and Thelma Schoenmaker is like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? I may, I deliberately left it this way. Um, so I just, I find that interesting that it's still going on. Continual debate, yeah. Continual debate. This isn't how the chef likes it prepared. No, I almost feel like that's very interesting to think of like a play before a movie um, yeah. in the sense of how that would affect your experience yeah. because, well, it's, it's like yeah. A live organ. I mean, it's not exactly like this, but it's like when, what you were saying about having a live score. Yeah. It changes the whole experience. It's now uh, the night is different. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know that more... there were some films in the '60s that had a lot of gimmicky stuff. Like The Tingler is one of the famous yeah, ones yeah, where yeah. they mm-hmm. had actually wired up like every tenth seat to vibrate or buzz, cool. so that when the thing happened, uh-huh. people yeah. would be like, "Oh my god!" Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, the movie's terrible, so it didn't work. But uh-huh. you know, um, I want to get tingled. All right, get tangled. Uh, we're under this? review territory. Okay, so is, all right. Well, um, IMDb, uh, <laughs> you know what sticklers these guys are. Oh yeah, eight out of ten is basically saying it's perfect. Yeah, They're basically saying yeah. it's a, it's a ten out of ten. You know those sticklers on IMDb. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, ninety six percent. I did also want to note too. We hadn't really like discussed this. Um, yeah. It's list. This movie says it's fifty one minutes, but it's just a matter of like how it's run and the pacing. Um, it can be like now it says on Rotten Tomatoes an hour and nine minutes. So mm. like um, clearly, depending on how it's screened or what version you watch, it will run at a different. I watched this on Tubi with ads, so I was I was in it for a full ninety. <laughs> And um, you know, I gotta say, like it's it's uh, it's 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 an experience. Ninety six percent tomatometer, eighty nine percent audience score. So um, not too big of a of a of a of a gap, but um, the the it, it's not it's not the not it's not the not, it's not fully the most accessible film. You know, it, it's it's it either it either butters your biscuit or it doesn't. <laughs> I will say. Okay, here we go. We got Ruth Boyle from the New York Daily News. Uh, October 3rd, 2022 said, the Cubist settings in this picture are not only interesting because they are fantastic, they are also extraordinarily impressive when the effect of horrible beauty or of terror or imminent doom is desired. So evoking that 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 um, imagery, uh, the imagery is a means of creating a mood and this is, being, this is a film that's more of an emotional experience, you know. I wanna read some, I wanna read a splatter. Thomas Noonan, October 3rd, 2020. These are all October 3rd. So these must have been recently. Just They must have just all got uploaded at the same time. So I guess <laughs> yeah. I, this clearly, I'm reading the date as though this is when it was published, but they're all October 3rd. For some reason. <laughs> so the San Francisco Examiner, Thomas Noonan says, remarkable for its cubistic artifacts is the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, but I cannot help regarding cubism in art, morals, life, or pictures as distinctly unhealthful. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. Not too fatty, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, on on Letterboxd, it's got a 4.1. We got the cinephiles up in here. Victoria gave it four stars and a heart. Cesar's thigh gap. I mean, that's the heart right there. Yummy. <laughs> that's where the heart is. That's what the heart you is. You see that little bump, bump, bump between his thighs? That's where the heart is. Let's see here. Definitely, we got we got Meme City up in here. We got all kinds of... I like to point out again when there's people that have these bricks, which is sort of like someone who needs to like really express their... Um, like they're, they're throwing in themselves on the train tracks for this yeah. film in a way I feel like the, the more um, bloated some of these reviews get but when they're memey they're memey and boys this one let's see 
uh, four and a half stars and a heart from Russman, an early Tim Burton film starring the Penguin and Edward Scissorhands. Oh, um, yeah. very yeah. much that. You know, okay, let's uh, read Ciara, four stars and a heart. I can't believe this film is 98 years old and I've never been so shook by an ending in my entire life. Every mm. plot twist since 1920 found dead. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that and then I, I you know and I don't like to overindulge when there's a ton of meme ones because some of them are just like they just kind of feel cheap yeah but I do like this the, this one this one is dumb funny Lily um, sorry it's diamond dot Lily dot kissy emoji um, three and a half stars and a heart OMG I can't believe Timothy Chalamet did all that <laughs> So I just, uh, yeah. and, then there, and then obviously there's some ones that oh. are like, this is the seminal piece of the oh, foundation wow. of the history of cinema. Yeah. Not, yes. to, not to mock you folks, but no, um, no, no, no. congratulations. Um, I do want to, I just some reviews from the time period. So going back to like, what, what did people think? Um, it was considered part of a one critic's list of best film of 1921, which it wasn't the first film on the list, but he said, um, I was of a mind when first considering this list to place the cabinet of Dr. Caligari in its first position. That film marks the biggest advance in the art of cinema since the first photoplay was made. Its form is neither literature, portraiture, nor drama. It represents a form that employs each of those elements yet is distinct unto itself, a form that for want of a better name, I designate as cinema composition. Wow. Incredible. They really liked it. Um, another group described it. The picture uh, is extraordinarily forceful. The producers have taken what heretofore been a highly objective medium, the screen, and registered definite subjective moods. In the case of Dr. Caligari, the mood is one of wickedness. OMG, I can't believe Timothy Chalamet did all that. <laughs> he thigh gapped so Timothy he, Chalamet yeah. could walk. He did. <laughs> <laughs> um, just one more description. Um, the intense atmosphere and sustained interest has been carried through the production in a manner equaled only in the tales of mystery of Edgar Allan Poe. So I think that's high praise. Mm -hmm. um, and this one is very, I'm not going to read all of it, but it's like yeah, full ad, like, uh, you won't sleep through Caligari. Do you walk in your sleep? If you do, you'd better watch out. Not for the Goblin Man, but for Dr. Caligari. Who's I don't, the goblin I don't man? know. I don't know. Was he the big boogeyman? I'm like, is that the is that <laughs> the a thing? Man. The Goblin Man. The Goblin Man. The Doctor is coming to town soon and will make his appearance in the cabinet of Dr. Caligari at the Strand Theater beginning Monday. People had more fun. I feel like people really did have more fun, and these things like would work sorry. right now. I think I that know. that's what's really. I mean, I feel like that's what we're trying to tap into at yeah. the Actors Gang is like saying, you know, like these things are now they're not then we can still make absurd well, punk rock weird stuff because people are craving it just as much and if not more because a lot of it yeah. has been lost to yeah. you know ai and and fast 30 second entertainment all of our brains have definitely been uh messed with and it takes effort to slow it down it takes a lot of effort to like get to the pace of a book again yeah and it's yeah it's tough and and television's so passive and film is is passive as, as much as it, it can be engaging so um yeah i think uh you know it, it's like the difference between being on tiktok every day you know watching something that's mm -hmm. i don't know like a full complete emotion and an idea it's yeah. the difference between reading tweets and reading a whole book on a subject you yeah. know it's like oh, I have a more complete picture of what that is and that it's actually quite complicated and, you know, yeah. uh, nuanced, like everything in, in life. I do love that this book, I mean, this movie is is still 
short. I mean, I think I still, I don't, I love, I'm in for a movie for any time it wants me in for. If it's well done. It's concise. Yeah, and it's concise. But this movie is really, um, is really, really interesting because I do feel like it's taking a medium and it's elevating it in a lot of ways. And I, and I feel like it's, it's you got to put your phone down to watch it because it's silent yeah, spoiler you alert <laughs> you won't be able to see it otherwise oh, what? <laughs> um, wait what happened wait wait before you turn this off but it is worth it it is worth okay. it oh, you shit. know i was also, waiting for it to start yeah. <laughs> i i gotta say too like i and i'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because this is my caesar is my best supporting player and it's conrad veet who i uh-huh. uh, was in casablanca he's major strassa you know, like you oh, were, you wow. were fine doing Casablanca longer than you expect, Monsieur Play. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. did not realize that. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's. Good. I've been walking around the house, like doing his voice, like oh, <laughs> since I watched this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he, he had a little career. Well, yeah. um, he like played a lot of Nazis because yeah. he was like, "Fuck them! I will make a career being the bad German in your movie." Yeah, yeah. I am yeah. into it. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Voice. In our director's chair today is Robert Veen. He was born April 27th, 1873 in Silesia, which at the time was part of the German Empire. I'm like, ooh, my history. Um, but that would be present-day Poland. So mm. uh, His father was also a theater actor. Well, was a theater actor. I don't yeah. think Robert was. Um, so, you know, born in a trunk. You know, you yeah. kid you raise up that way. Makes sense. Uh, his brother also became an actor like his father. And because of that, they traveled to a lot of cities throughout Central and Eastern Europe when they were growing up. Um, like a lot of people we've studied, he also got a law degree. I, it said University of Berlin and Vienna. I don't know if that's like both and or part and part. I don't know how it worked back then. But um, for a while, he actually practiced law in Weimar uh, and returned to Vienna to manage a theater company. So it sounds like the family business was kind of, hey, come on back. We need your help. And it's it was through that that he got back into theater and acting and and you know like so many of the directors from this period and also from this part of the world they were part of the theater before they were doing film so only 20 of his 90 collaborations still exist wow so i mean that's like right the 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 tragedy of of a lot of silent cinemas we have about what like 10 percent of it maybe they think and these nitrate prints are just they just combust yeah you know no one knew and it's like it's such a tragedy like theta barra right it's like this famous she was this famous vamp but none of the films are around anymore and i don't know that that stuff hurts my heart me too that again i mean i was talking about this with with chelsea the other day many people in this town who worked on some programs that were on hbo max that just poof went and vanished and they don't have anything to show for it it's like pretty sure that they didn't just do that for fun yeah it's the existential like what what was my life yeah why did i spend that time you know i almost feel like that's that fear that we were talking about like the fear of making something and it not resulting in anything and i think that one of the things that what we do yeah like i think that's such a fear that you're gonna spend so much time and it's not gonna be anything because i think like we have become result oriented right yeah I don't know if you saw Moon Age Daydream, but Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of a very expressive uh, documentary about David Bowie, but such a great manifesto for any creative thinkers, you know, a great reminder of how to like protect your energies and things like that. that. It's also just really beautiful and full of Bowie's music. So come on. Yeah. It's like a concert film, but also a documentary. Yeah. Better. And it's full of him and meditative sort of thoughts on these things. Uh, Thoughts on these things. 
No, um, but true, because I do feel like sometimes, you know, it's 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 the risk. And I feel like is. and in yeah. theory, everything will kind of eventually turn to dust. Right? Yeah. You know and I mean? so I do think it is uh, the like what we're talking about. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's, again, like taking it. Why I think all filmmakers and anybody who's in this industry should resort back to the theater is because mm -hmm. like we in Methuselah for example which is again written at the same exact time as this mm -hmm. um it you have so it's so much of this exists and you know the images are also still this very much honoring the film but it, the reason why is because you know that was a time where people had nothing like if you see people look sickly in the film people mm -hmm. have this like pale um expression and mm -hmm. and it's honestly just a representation of like the flu and and all the right. things that were killing people at that people time. Weak. Yeah, and was... so I do think, you know, I think anytime you're telling stories that are of a time, they're important. So if you're doing yeah. that, that's a risk worth betting on. I think you're right. I mean, yeah. it's, I think, again, it's, it's so tough, though, to get away from that results-oriented thinking so and to just, you know, as much as, you know, okay, only 20 of this guy's films exist anymore, but he got to make, make them. them. He got yeah. to make them. He got to have this life. So, you know, it, it, as much as I want to... I'm upset from a selfish like person in the future. Who's yeah, like, well, I wanted to know about that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Pretty um, rude. Pretty no, rude. So rude. Uh, um, he did a lot of films uh, in Germany, but as we know, things got rough there. So um, in 1933, he had made a, a film called Typhoon that got banned. Mm. And when that happened, he's like, oh, okay, I don't know what kind of future I have here. So um, a Hungarian studio that at the time was you know, still independent, because Hungary was still its own thing, um, they invited him to come make a film there. And they had been inviting other German filmmakers who were experiencing the censorship under the Third Reich. And they were like, hey, come here and make a film. So he did. It was called One Night in Venice. Uh, and then after that, he, like a lot of other German filmmakers and, and mathematicians and artists and things like that, um, he ends up going into exile um, through London and Paris. He ended up connecting with Jean Cocteau, uh, and they were going to produce a sound version of Dr. Caligari. Wow. But it I know. It never came together, though, which I, I'm not sure why, but there's probably a whole book about it. I'm sure. So, uh, but what if it sucked? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it might. But the truth is that um, Robert Veen never returned to Germany after that. Um, and he died in 1938. He was 65. He died from cancer. And he was in the middle of a film production called Ultimatum, which Robert Cinemac ended up taking over, who he's another filmmaker who's, uh, you know, got very lush, mm -hmm. uh, you know, melodrama kind of stuff. And um, and also a lot of noir. Yeah. He's, he's known for a lot of noir as well. Our director today had been, he had been working and kicking it around for a while. So, you know, he it's... I think in my head, I think of so many of these these stories of these German filmmakers who fled the Third Reich, and I always think of them at the beginning of their career. But this was somebody who was very well established, and um, you know, was wasn't to live much longer. You know, yeah. he wouldn't see the end of the Third Reich. So, mm -hmm. um, kind of a rough thing. Uh, I already told you guys who my best supporting player is. Uh, I don't know how many yeah. there are. Thigh gap. Thigh gap. I mean, we all vote for it. All right, that's that. Yeah, I felt like, I mean, all performances, I do like, I want to say that I believe, you know, that there's that old, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways, but based on what you're talking about, about his father being in the theater and them traveling, I would imagine that they were probably doing like Comedia all'arte, oh, yeah. mm. um, because that's, you know, theater, traveling theater troops were doing a lot of that. Um, 
And so it, it makes me feel like the you can see a lot of like the archetype characters that are used in the art form in this film. And so, you know, there is a part of me, obviously, that we're calling her Jane, we're calling her Jolene, <laughs> we're calling her... <laughs> um, Jessamay. Yeah, just, like, literally yeah, let's look her up. <laughs> gotta... But I will say that she has also like a stillness and I, I do feel like it's interesting in that first scene when you see him saying, that's my fiance, and she just walks by like past she, well, him she doesn't just walk past him i actually found it so funny like she puts her hand yeah like, <laughs> right like right in front of his face like no yeah it's like <laughs> like, uh, yeah. like right away i'm like uh something it, it is jane jane is jane by the way yeah that white, um, that white dress in that scene pops oh yeah. man yes, all the costumes i feel like that's what i also love about the different versions of it is you get to experience you that's why it never gets old you can experience it all kinds of ways it's like pick yeah. your poison um but i do feel like she has she's when he's carrying her up that thing and i'm mm -hmm. assuming that that's really her uh yeah. but she it's it's there's a lot of, I feel like, uh, these women who um, were a in a lot of these silent films, and as we mentioned, Dracula and the Dracula we just screened, Lupita Tovar is um, the actress in that, and then she went on to like be the biggest, one of the biggest Mexican actresses, and um, I think that there is a, uh, uh, there's such a challenge with a silent film that you can do so much and it be too much and then you could do nothing and it'd be not enough and i do feel like jane uh <laughs> jane I'm does so a good job of that i know i, I mean i knew it wouldn't be no but... i mean you, you gave us a nice clean jane there like, yeah so we'll just drop in. it in <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane. um jane but I do feel like she does a great job of, because um, I do feel like the ingenue often carries the fear that the audience feels. Mm. And she does yeah. a good job of that without you fearing him enough that, um, like she kind of fears everybody, which is really interesting <laughs> um, yeah. because she also gives him that side hand. Yeah, so she's the yeah, hand. she's like talking to the hand and she's like, all of you are, you know, and I can imagine there, there's something I was watching when they go around that um, monkey uh, Morgan Garden yeah. yeah. Um, I there was a bunch of first all the men came up and then they leave and then the women come up and I always have these thoughts when I watch these older movies to, I don't know why they come up but I just thought these people what were these people's lives like yeah. these women didn't even have any rights you know and here they are in this like movie set doing this thing and it makes me think a lot about um these actresses and like the dynamics within sets and how they were probably not very comfortable so to have um yeah like to have somebody who sticks out like that is fascinating to me she is has a great silent film face mm -hmm. because it's uh she's very expressive but yes. she's not out of control no, I, and I will say, and this is, I'm, I'm, I am a little bit like poking fun at her, but I say I'm doing it in a loving way. I like how she, when she is uh, like lured in mm -hmm. to going to to uh, seeing Cesar yes. by uh, Caligari, um, she she sees him and like makes a face and then turns away, and I and she like has to like think about yeah. it and process it before she's like. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, she's like, really, like, how do I, how do I feel about this? Like, what is, 
like you know like uh, what are my values like yeah um and 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 there's this this uh range of emotion that is on one hand again very generous and it's it's like a, a testimony to like her her expressiveness and and it's cool to see that have some breathing room but it is also like a little funny watching it, it is really it's just funny. like i have to think about this yeah am i, am I scared yeah but i did wonder if okay, that was yeah, a I'm choice scared. because i yeah. thought maybe the choice was like oh i i see him thigh gap yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's into it and, and then, then she's, she's like, like oh wait no i'm not oh, supposed no. to be the freak I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that might be right though because yeah. apparently yeah. in the theaters when like he appeared on screen like women scream yeah, yeah. like kind of in horror but also like Thigh gap. Yeah, that's no. what I really think it is. There's like something about him that's like the original bad boy, I guess, in some way, because you're like, I'm not supposed to like this, especially because he is labeled as a freak in the Skinny thing. Daddy. But like, <laughs> truly, yes. Truly, I think it, that's like, she like sees him, she's like, okay, well, she, cute. She's and then also, she's like, oh God, it's, it's no, he's turning away too. Like, she takes him in and like, she, she kind of, yeah. she has that startle, but then she really looks at him mm-hmm. and he lets, and like, and so it's very like, I can, you know, and then and then she turns away and it's like it even when she freaks out she doesn't turn back in yeah, horror. Yeah. she's freaking out about whatever thoughts she's that really, she yeah, decided yeah. whatever her thought process was that's all to herself away facing <laughs> us and then she runs away yeah um uh, and she's just like, oh my God, I'm scared. I'm too horny and just runs. Yeah, I think and... that that's like the main, I do think that that probably in a society of like regime, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like a thing. I think about that yeah. a lot too with the way that it's painted that you can see that like the house, it, the everything's like a, it's kind of stairs and sharp and tight, but then there's like a castle on yeah. top, right? And so I think that... I feel that a lot and I feel this till this day that we still as women are like figuring out what is what we what like the expectations on us put by society and then also the expectations put on us by ourselves and I feel like this has that to me was like what that is because it's you know it's it's imagine you go to a freak show and you're or I guess there's yeah Um, or you go to something like that that's labeling people and then you find yourself attracted to that person but then the thing is is that person is something you're not supposed to be attracted to yeah they're gonna find out i'm naughty yeah and i'm like the person that lives in the castle like what is it gonna be for me i'm gonna destroy a whole society because i'm into goths and thigh guys. I mean, you know, but it's like, but that's the thing though, is like, it's, it's like ladies, if he wanted to, he would. Cesar shows up later and he's like, I know what you need. Yep. Pulls out the window, comes out, take, take, takes her away. And it's just kind of like, I, I think that's kind of the first move that, <laughs> um, you know, we're starved of. Yeah. I know? agree. I think, yeah. Where, 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 where have all the cowboys gone? <laughs> um, it is true. That's 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 my 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 ten cent. Oh, also, yeah. uh, my my favorite supporting actually is Dr. Caligari because mm. of that. Again, that final shot makes the movie. Mm-hmm. That lingering, like yeah. he he's he's it's it's disturbing but like we're really like it it, when also too when he does get in the flashback and a flashback when he gets taken into Mm -hmm. the um uh when he gets taken into the uh uh, the hospital and he's he's tied up and whatever um and again watching it in color and i i know it's not 
how it was intended to be made bad. initially, but there is something about like getting to see with all of that makeup, the texture of the face, there's something about this like added appreciation I have for his um, like commitment. And it mm -hmm. wasn't just him. He's not just indicating the emotion. No. Like he really is. Um, he's he's a sin. He's a he's a he he seems legitimately terrified mm -hmm. in that in that portion when he's getting uh, when he's getting impatiented, you know. And then at that very end when he like sits and then the he doesn't like look directly into the camera like wink like yeah. it was me all along you totally do. <laughs> but he's just this sort of nod thing that just is very. Um, I don't know. There's something very like self-possessed about it that I was like really, uh, uh, I was really taken by. Yeah. So that's yeah. my guy. You've got the actor in the same there. Yeah, Verna Kral. It's like a B, but it's not a oh, B. Oh, you pronounce that as an S. So Verna oh, Kraus. Verna Kraus. Yeah, that's a. I know, and Jane yeah. is Lil Dagover. Okay. Lil, probably Lil. like Lillian. Krause was uh, he was like the the people who wrote it uh, they wanted him they saw oh, him nice. he was part of like I think the Max Reinhardt theater oh group. cool and he was like there th there was nobody else who was going to be Caligari this yeah. was the guy yeah. and and he himself brought some of those style details that I liked so much uh, and and really um, you know some we talked about the you know the the peasant yeah. looks and things mm -hmm. but there there is some deliberate um, pushing into the past yeah this is, this is in some yeah. ways more romantic than it mm. is like modern you know yeah. um and especially since we spent some time talking about uh jane you know yeah. I, i'm just thinking about yeah she's she's not a weimar woman you know she's, yeah. she doesn't have a short haircut she's not athletic she's not you know that was like one of the exciting things about germany between yeah. the wars was like there was a sort of new ideal of woman and it was not this victorian flower yeah. it was like no you you get exercise and you you run around and you're vital and you know it was like a flapper but like even more healthy yeah yeah <laughs> you know and i she certainly does not represent that new ideal uh, yeah. in germany at the time or perhaps it was still emerging but um yeah this feels still very much in the realm of the gothic yeah, and yeah. in the, the 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 period proceeding even though we saw those kinds absolutely. of like fascistic overtones absolutely and it like it, it definitely is like I'm thinking about how much fan of the opera pulls from this too, and like her whole look, even with the curly yes. hair and everything. Yep. Even though it's also in part like like the uh, we, like the musical is is trying to uh, imitate uh, uh, Sarah Brightman, and then like you know the Gaston Leroux novel, that's she's technically blonde, but whatever. It's like visually speaking, yes. and in terms of the, we also even have the carnival aspect yeah. going on yeah. too. Um, uh, with that the crank organ. I did also want to point out to one more thing with Venna that I just really appreciated his, um, he, he was very easy to project onto. That's mm. really the thing because he is so um, like creepy and just mm. like a real a real fucking weirdo being like, come into this tent and see my weird little guy in a box. Yeah, yeah. Mm, ha, 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 we're laughing at you. Are you scared? Are you yeah. turned on? Are you scared? And then, and then he's, and then the flashback and a flashback. He's this guy and he goes crazy. Oh my God. And then at the end, he's this like very, yeah, very competent doctor that's like, well, I think I know what to do now. I think I know what the trouble is. And then there's this look on his face of like, Hmm. I just, I just, yeah. it's, it's, it's this, it's this, he just, he's you know, got these yeah. multitudes going on about yeah. him. That's like very intriguing. Yeah. yeah. So that's my, I'm done now. <laughs> no. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it was, um, yeah. 
yeah, I think the film is definitely required watching for anybody who one is like an, into art, but then also anybody who's into cinema, because I think it's a really, um, yeah, I think there's, it's a really great example of, of what exactly what you said. Sometimes when you do mix like the, uh, something older with what like you're experiencing now it becomes timeless yeah. yeah because it's it's like you see i'm i felt like today when i got dressed to come here i was like this is kind of like an outfit based on this movie yeah. oh my god but i didn't try uh, to but i just got i had watched it and then I, I didn't try but then i was like but isn't this weird how like effortless this is the thing these things live on yeah. because yeah. they live on because when they when you're mixing something like old and new then it becomes classic maybe because yeah. it encompasses something yeah. so i feel like the film does a great job of that like i th I, you see if you google you can google a ton of cuts of people cutting like goth music into like the scene <laughs> where he like wakes yeah. up yeah. and it, it, it looks like it's something that is now like yeah. somebody could wear his outfit right now and i would be like cool like this guy's probably going to the new bev and yeah. uh, he's Absolutely. you know like and so or he's gonna go to like some grungy like after you know late night yeah. like dungeon party but yeah. I feel like there's something about it that feels really timeless to yeah. me and that feels like also my favorite kind of film which is an empowering film for filmmakers mm -hmm. who like are gonna watch it and be like I could do something like this yeah yes. no I think that's a great takeaway and yeah I was having a chat with somebody else yesterday kind of about that, that like I came away from it just thinking like god there's there's so many ways you can make a movie and there's so many approaches and there's not just one way and just get out of your own way mm -hmm. you know if you can which is hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Destroy my life. Um, <laughs> Who is I, this bitch in my... Oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going not to... Not to take it out of your mouth here as far as, like, I would definitely watch this again, nice. but I most... I most especially would want to watch it um, rescored. I just yeah. want, I would yes. love yeah. to hear um, the, the, the just Oh sure. my God, it'd be so fun to like try to put it with the Barbie soundtrack. I mean, <laughs> it's just you know, like, I, he wakes up and it's like the Lizzo wake up yeah. sequence. Uh, so I, funny. I definitely remember having. <laughs> I watched some old Buster Keaton stuff to like, I think Neil Young and it worked. Yeah, it nice. Worked. Yeah. yeah. Not all of it, but some yeah. of it. Thank you so much, Mariana, for being here. It's my honor. I'm an yeah. avid listener. It's our privilege. Oh my yeah, gosh! It's so thank fun you. Part. Thank you to. Well, it's so good. I mean, I feel like anytime I'm conflicted about a film, I check in with you Aww. guys, and I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. High that yeah, praise. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're it. just figuring it out too. And sometimes <laughs> you just want to hear how other people are just kind of like, you know, digesting it yeah. and processing. And, and for exactly, sure. yeah. You volley yeah. it back and forth, and that's part. Of, that's like part of what back and forth. Fun. Back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. Back and forth. Back <laughs> and forth. Back <laughs> and forth. Hi. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Follow us at Fresh Movie Pod. Hit us up on the emails. Go and, and have a nice day. We got merch.